Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Just Friends. And as always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry, and I'm super excited to introduce to you guys the first midweek installment of our podcast, the culmination of our conversation with Miss Caitlin Stratton. I hope the first half of your all's week has been awesome, and I hope you're excited to not have to wait four more days to hear the rest of our conversation with Caitlin, because it's awesome. It's probably, like I said in the last episode, my favorite so far. So I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get back to our conversation with Miss Caitlin Stratton. But yeah, so as you mentioned, going to therapy, I should probably go back. Probably. Um, like I said, I don't trust many people with our our kids, which means we don't get to go out very often. That's why Jake's out and I'm not. And if I'm here, then he's there because Mary's my go to since my mom's no longer with us. Um I couldn't never trust my dad. No offense, no dad. I know you probably don't listen to this. Your but dad's not fucking listening to this podcast. He, he has got anger. Like, and so does my brother. It's rooted in our genes. Like, mm-hmm. I know I have it. Um, and I'm like, I just can't have that anger around my kids because, like, nowadays, I know back in the day, you know, you would get smacked or hit, mm-hmm. whatever. But I am kind of more on the contemporary side of it where I'm just kind of like, I don't think smacking is going to do anything. No, I don't think, I don't, I don't think corporal punishment is good either. And for the record, I don't think, perhaps you feel a little bit self-conscious about like how protective you are of your children, but the fact that you're that cognizant of of that impact, most people are not. Well, people people call me a helicopter bomb. Like, well, you don't want to be that. But yeah. your children are also three or closing on, on four, four. Yeah. and two closing two. on three. Mm-hmm. You really want to worry about that more when they're like 12. Yeah. That's when you need to start backing off. Right now, in the most formative years of their lives, yeah, be a helicopter mom. And then well, when they're six lot. or seven, six or seven or eight, when they start, right now, you're the most important person in their lives. Yeah. Round around first or second grade, that's going to shift off of you and Jake to their friends. Right. And then you just got to really encourage them to great, pick great fin- friends. And then maybe then you're going to have to like back off a little bit. But right now, mm-hmm. being really cognizant of the fact that there are people and there are adults in your life who could potentially pass off really negative traits to your children yeah. and not wanting that to happen. Right. That's smart. I think that's smart personally. Well, and like, I hate to say it, but like, for instance, Mary's husband. He can be, he can say racist comments. Oh, yeah. You don't want that. And I dread, like right now, as a kid, it's beautiful because they don't care. Like they don't care if someone is a different color than they are or that they speak a different language. Like we were in a Barnes and Noble one day and there was this little girl and she was Indian and she spoke, I guess, I don't know. She spoke a different language. Not sure which one it was. But Elias got right up close to her and they were reading together. She was reading in her language and he was reading in his, but she was able, she was kind of bilingual so she could stop and speak to him. But to me, it was beautiful because I was like, he doesn't care. He, he got right up next to her as close as he would get to any other kid, which he's we're working on it. He's a little bit too close to half the kids. Um, but he doesn't care, but I don't want him to start caring. And so that's why I'm very, you know, like I said, very conscious of who he's around. So, and like I said, my dad's a little bit has an anger issue. It's kind of interesting to see, like, when you're a kid, you think the world of your parents. But as you grow up, you start seeing the flaws in them. And you're like, holy crap, you are not perfect. 
Right. So I can relate to that in a big way, in a big yeah. way. Um, but you sought out therapy. Yeah. And you were there for a while. Mm-hmm. And I imagine you learned a ton of lessons about yourself. Yeah. And you kind of identified some of the things you were going through up to that point. But in therapy, did it also, you said that you would leave with with new things that you were learning about yourself. Did you yes. did you figure out that a lot of the things you were suffering from actually stemmed from when you were a child? Um I'm not I don't know. Maybe. Like I think when it comes to a parenting standpoint, my mom was practically a stay-at-home mom. So she worked as a hairdresser, like your mom. Oh yeah, my mom was a hairdresser. But my too. mom worked from home. I remember that she had that little back room that she used. Yeah, That's so she brilliant. was she was home all the time. She didn't want to work for anybody else. So she she wanted her Fucking own who business. Does man, I know right. But so she was home, and I kind of got like that was the impression that I got of how a mom should be. Like a mom should always be there, and that's kind of where I stem from. I guess being not so much of a helicopter mom because I feel like that's not really the right word, but just being extremely protective and involved in their lives, and so. But when you think about like relationship, for instance, my um, my parents divorced. I think when I was a freshman in college, I remember it being after high school for sure. It, and it was messy. It was a little messy, but the way they the way their relationship was, it was very it was coexistent, and I didn't know any different. And so I mean, because me and Jacob have gone through marriage counseling too, and. I've talked to him about this before, how your parents are your prime example of how a relationship should be. And poor me and Jake, because our we have broken <laughs> families. So the fact that we're together now is is very amazing because Jake comes from a separate family. I mean, Curtis and Mary got together twice. And then God, he was with Arlene. And so even though Jake was a little bit older, I mean, it still has an impression on yeah, him. Yeah, that was not a healthy relationship. I remember it. It was I don't know why we went over there as much as we did. <laughs> I guess to see how things unfolded because Plus, it was amazing. Curse, let's do whatever the fuck we wanted to. We're drinking fucking moonshine whiskey in his basement. That was yeah, but my parents, which is like I said, coexist, come and go as they please. They wouldn't really hang out with each other, and that to me, we kind of, me and Jake, still kind of get in that rut. Like when the kids go down at night, we kind of do our own thing because that's just what I'm used to doing. And he and poor him, he had to grow up a lot sooner than he should have. A lot of us did. So I was fortunate enough to not have to. But I know you did. Ryan did. Casey did. Jake did. And I think that shaped a lot of people. Um, And I think it just kind of really built on who we are today. But, I mean, honestly, counseling brought up a lot of things that, yeah, I would say came from my upbringing. For instance, um, I was told I was anorexic. Still don't think so. Really? When were you told that? By your counselor? Counselor, yeah. Really? Jake also agreed with them. Um, and I think it's more, I don't think it's... Now? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I've gotten better, but they. It, I think it's more of a control thing, not so much of an anorexic thing. I mean, I was, my family does body shaming. Oh, really? Pretty bad. Like, especially with me. Not so much anybody else. I'm targeted all the time. Anytime we have a family event, it's like playing bingo. Like the center square is who's going to call out Caitlin for being thin. That's always the go-to because, and if I even gain just a little weight, they're going to say something like, oh, you've gotten bigger lately. 
And it's not even like a good for you. They're just like, oh, look at that little chub right there. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I could probably use a little body shaming. Sarah's too no, nice. She needs to be like, Mitch, okay. you're fucking fat. Well, I am fucking fat, though. You're not. Have you have you seen our friends? I'm less fat than, <laughs> I'm less fat than I was. But I would like to be less fat than I am. But some of it's genetic, right? So... For me, I feel like a lot of it is genetic. My mom was yeah, relatively thin. Yeah, your mom was thin. very thin. Yeah, yeah. and your but dad was not a big man. But she was also five nine. She was like an Amazon. Yeah. Like I was the shortest person in the group. Craig's gotten a little bit thicker. Like he's thick. He's a man though. He's a so man, that's but he's got, he's got he's got like a butt though. He's like thick, thick. You get it, Craig? Yeah. Be getting those boys shaking he's that probably, booty. He probably is. Good for him. Yeah. Right. Let me just say, I want to say this before we move on. Okay. We worked together at Starbucks, and mm-hmm. I want to talk about that actually a little bit. I loved it. I was not as kind to you or as sympathetic or empathetic to you about the things you were dealing with at the time as I should have been. Mm. It all had to stem from just bullshit that I was dealing with and things that I, a bunch of baggage that I had. And I want to apologize to you right now for that. And if there was anything that I did that was, I obviously (laughs) didn't hurt our relationship because you're sitting here right across from me right now talking to me. Yeah. But- I regret, whether you realize it or not, I regret how I handled that situation, and I'm sorry. Starbucks was a hard time for you. It was. I, I did not like it there very much. You didn't. And there was one, I don't, I, it makes me laugh now, but there was one time when we were working together, and I was sweeping, and you were like, I want to sweep. Like, you just want to take control. You wanted to get it done. And for me, sweeping was like a therapy thing. I don't know why I was in such a, a sad mood. I was just like down for some odd reason and i was like i just want to sit here and just escape and sweep and you're just like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna sweep you go do this and i was because you were shift at the time mm. so i was like i'll do this but i was like you son of a bitch <laughs> was like, why are you gonna be like a jerk boy? <laughs> I was like, I go cry like baby but um because i also need control same thing yeah well yeah and like i said it was you were going through a really and it's it was easy to see that. Like, everybody kind of knew, like, Mitch was going through a really hard time, so we're going to take it easy on you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I didn't feel purpose in what I was doing. Looking back on it, it had nothing to do with the job. It was a great job. Yeah. A great I loved job. It. it had nothing to do with the job. It had everything to do with where I was at at the time. Well, yeah, because you, you had dropped out of speed school. Mm-hmm. I don't think you were in school yet. I was in and out of it, but I didn't really have a, I didn't really have a direction. You're just kind of coasting for the most part trying to figure out what was next yeah but that's pretty much you're kind of dating around i was. remember we we hung out when you were seeing kelsey which didn't right. work out no well that was a fucking huge mistake because <laughs> i will never i mean obviously now i'll never date anybody else because i'm married right but, but i would <laughs> i would not recommend to anyone to date a co-worker while you're doing it, it's Ooh. awesome. You get to make out at work in the back room while nobody else is there. But then as soon it. as it's over, oh, yeah, we did that. <laughs> oh, show. I always felt awkward. Like, there, because yeah, there was times you could feel the tension. Like, there was that's, things going that's part on. Of it. And I that's was part like, of the problem. I was like, ooh, this is awkward. <laughs> Especially when you closed with you guys. Because there, there was always three. Mm-hmm. So it'd be you, Kelsey, and me. And I'm like, ugh. So where's Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I can relieve some Higdon. tension. Mike Higdon, not Mike. I hope you're listening to this podcast. I hope he I is. fucking love you. I miss him. I was thinking about this on the card over. The two people I really want to hear from is Atlanta. I saw her last weekend. Did you? Yeah. I saw her at your party and I I was actually. At my wedding? Yes. Pretty much party. 
Did I say party? Still thinks the same thing. I was probably trashed. Yeah. I was trashed actually because um, I, I don't know if we actually, I think I may have hugged her. I don't know if it got any further than that. I hope you did. But, well, <laughs> I don't know if anybody told you, but I met Bryce while I was there. You'd never met Bryce? No, I did. But like I hadn't seen him in a really long time. I was completely trashed. So he was sitting there with his wife. And I was, and he had caught me, right? And I was trying to go get another drink. Like, I was determined. I was like, I need another glass of wine. And I was trashed. And I could barely stand at this point. <laughs> it was early on. I don't even think you had gotten out yet. They had not even introduced the bridal party. Oh, I was wow. already in. So Good for you. And I, he was talking to me. He's like, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I was like nodding aggressively. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I was like, looked at his wife or his fiance at the time. I was like, you've got yourself a keeper. And I just walked away. Audrey, she's a She's amazing. Yeah, I was She's like, wonderful. you got yourself a cute-ass man. I just walked away. <laughs> oh, you're telling that to Audrey. Yeah, I was like, you got yourself a cute, because yeah. he's cute. Bryce is cute. Bryce, Bryce is, is cute. so nice, too. I love Bryce. I'm not going to lie to you, though. When he first started working at Starbucks, he annoyed me. Really? Because he, he was a child. No offense, Bryce, but you were a child. Yeah, he was young. Because at the time, I don't know how old we were, like 25, and mm-hmm. he was 18, mm-hmm. and it came to terms like, damn, I'm old. Because you were just really that, you young nailed it. and annoying. It ma- he made us feel old. He did. He made us feel old. And I was just like, why are you here? We've got this old group of people. And then you came in with, I think, Alexis. I think Alexis was young, too. I also dated her. Did you really? Sort of. I was... I before was, or after Kelsey? Before. Before. Okay. So I don't think there was anybody after Kelsey for a while. I was really seeking validation through the relationships that I was <laughs> engaging in. And I was like, if I can date this pretty girl, yeah, then that definitely means I have some kind of value. But see, the thing is, you got the chance to date several people. I dated Dose, if you want to count the first one. I count it. I don't really count it. Who was it? Oh, my God. We were at Gatlinburg, and Natalie Ray said, you know Michael Pretty? Mm-hmm. I said, shit. I was like, how did this even fucking come up? I said, yes, I dated Michael Pretty. You dated Michael Pretty? And of course, Chris Berry's sitting right there. Oh, yeah, she did. (laughs) (laughs) Stick. And I was like, oh, my God. She's like, how could you do that? And I was like. What did she think about him? Did she like him or dislike him? Well, this is the thing. Apparently, he started a whole chapter. Right. For fraternity. I don't know which one it was. At EKU. I talked about this the other night with Ryan. Same same conversation. I at the time when I was dating him, he was a very troubled person. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't get heads or tails with him. I mean, there was, and he dealt with a ton of anxiety too. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, he went to Mark's feed store to meet my family, and then afterwards, he taken so much anxiety pills. He was sitting in a Walgreens high as fuck, mm-hmm. like off these pills because he. I mean, I guess he figured he needed the extra dose. I don't know, but um. He, I mean, he had an anger issue. I could totally sense that. And it was just one of those things where I don't really know what we were getting out of that relationship, but there was nothing. Well, it was your first relationship. and Yeah. He wasn't ugly. I no. mean, I got to give myself that. He wasn't no. totally ugly. No, not at all. You you were just trying to, you, all of a sudden, you're, you're testing out, you're practicing it being, because you knew eventually yeah. You wanted to be in a relationship with somebody, and the first relationship you have is practice. Nobody mm-hmm. fucking knows what they're doing. Everybody's bad at it at first. Well, so, if it wasn't for that one, I am still determined to this day to know that if it wasn't for that one, Jake would never have noticed me. You don't think so? No, because he had told me, like, and I don't know how, of course, you know, 
Jake's a pathological liar. Like he will lie. <laughs> he can't help it. He just he's a habitual liar. He can't help it. So he will. He had told me that I'd walked in with stick on my arm, and he's like, "Why the hell is she with him?" Yeah. And so that kind of sparked it. But at the same time, I kind of played into it too. We were walking out because I think Stinson was seventh period. We were walking out. He had pissed me off for some reason. Stinson or Jake? No. Pretty. Pretty. Pretty had pissed me off. And so I let go of his arm and I found the first person I could find, which was Jake. Mm -hmm. And I put my arm around Jake and Jake's like, hey, look, there's Stig. I got your girl. And so that probably sparked it too. Because it was just coincidence. I was just like, who do I know around here that I could go make him jealous for? So I found Jake. Which nice. you guys don't think so, but you guys were super popular in high school. You think so? Oh, yeah. Like Me? You guys, yes. You were the guy with the guitar. God, I thought I got on everybody's nerves with that guitar. No, I mean, not at the time. You do now. Yeah. I don't do it so much now because I realize well, how fucking so annoying get, it was. It's not so much as annoying. It's like, here he goes again with his guitar. Like, he brings it everywhere. You know what? After the, <laughs> after we're finished here, I'm going to play you a song because I've gotten way better at guitar recently. You know what's still on YouTube? The yes. Tenacious D rendition? <laughs> Dude, I linked, I, I have this podcast on YouTube. You know the videos I make on Facebook where I have like the Just Friends logo background with the waveform yes. thingy? I, I post all of the podcasts on YouTube. Oh, yeah? And I linked that video. I did. It's awesome. Gosh, Jake looks ridiculous. He's got that, like, sleeveless shirt and his hair so long. It's Led Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) Jake, you're fucking hot, bro. Casey, is it Casey that's passed out on the floor? You can barely see him. Totally fucking passed out. We had drank so much. We used to call it tea because we- That's funny. Jake's dad, Curtis, Curtis would buy gallons- of this moonshine whiskey from from freaking Chris Berry's mom. Yeah. Um Really? Patty? Yeah, Patty would Patty had a friend who worked at a whiskey distillery. Yeah. And they would make this barrel whiskey and if the if the proof was too high mm-hmm. or too low, they'd mix it all together to get it all to the same proof. Okay. And usually what they'd have is they'd have extra that was way too strong that they couldn't sell. Okay. So he, they would throw it away or somebody would take it home. Okay. So this guy would take home gallons of this extra strong barrel whiskey and give it to to Patty Berry. Dang. And Patty would sell it to Curtis for $25 a gallon. Damn. No money at all. Which is why Curtis didn't fucking care when we would drink that shit. Because he could just get more. He could just get more of it so easy. I didn't know it was moonshine, though. It was well. I don't know if you could call it moonshine. So it was barrel whiskey. It was okay. it was higher proof than they could sell because it all has to be the same alcohol content. Yeah. And we would mix it with sweet tea, which did nothing to curb the fact that it tasted like shit. You would though. You, you get drunk. I don't remember you like Jake and Casey. Yes, they could throw down. Mm-hmm. I don't remember you ever drinking. I was always scared to drink too much because my dad was an alcoholic. And, Fair. And he had suffered from a lot of depression and anxiety, which I didn't know at the time. But what I did know is he self-medicated with alcohol. Yeah. And I attributed all of the problems that he had straight to that substance. Looking back, I realized the substance was just 
a medication for the challenges he was already having. Yeah. And it would also open up his inhibition. So perhaps he would behave in a way that he wasn't necessarily proud of or that he wouldn't have behaved in otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I stayed away from alcohol a lot because I just didn't feel comfortable imbibing in it because I thought I didn't know what I would be like. Turns out <laughs> it's actually fine. Yeah. <laughs> but Well, Ryan was the same way, wasn't he? I think a little bit, yeah. Because Ryan wouldn't touch it no. until he was 21. Yeah. So, and that, like, he was always the designated driver. I think, like, my mom always trusted him, which I don't know why. At this point, I don't know why. But mm -hmm. she was like, he's the responsible one. He doesn't drink. He... He's always there. He's the adult. I'm like, you don't know Brian. <laughs> you don't know Brian at all, do you? Though he has saved me a couple of times. He brought me home from Tim Higdon's party. Mm. I was trashed. The first time I'd ever been trashed. <laughs> so, do you read a lot? I started to there's recently. A, there's a book that I would suggest to you if you have the chance. Okay. It's called Lost Connections. It's by a man named Johan Hari. Okay. And he wrote the book, and it's it's mostly about drug addiction, hmm. which is not a problem that I have. It's not a problem that you have. Correct. But his, the what he would argue is that drug addiction is a symptom of anxiety and depression. Mm hmm And he says that there are there are there are things about our society. And the way that our culture functions that separate us from things that all humans need. Okay. And it, he, that's why it's called lost connections. Yeah. He would say you have a lost connection from meaningful work, a lost connection from meaningful values, a lost connection from a meaningful community. Mm -hmm. And it really changed the way that I view what I need as a person. Okay. For a lot of my life, I struggled to really interact with people because I was very, I felt very awkward and I, and I was very critical of the interactions that I would have with people. Mm -hmm. And I always felt like I, I didn't realize that 99% of the time, everybody walks away from a personal reaction for personal interaction thinking, what the fuck did I just say? What the fuck did I just do? That's new information for me. I thought I was the only <laughs> person who felt that way. I feel that way, but I also thought I was the only person Turns that felt out that way. Everybody feels that way. And so I thought, well, huh. you know how I can avoid that is just not talking to not people. talking to people. And that's like the worst thing you can do. You have to have that people those people in your life that community in your life yeah and so once i realized that that a lot of the reasons why i was suffering and a lot of the reasons why i was struggling mm -hmm. was because i didn't have community and i didn't have a connection to meaningful work and i had didn't really have a connection to meaningful values like you were talking about earlier Jake's an atheist. You're kind of agnostic. Yes. Full disclosure, I'm kind of agnostic. I don't know if you and Jake have talked about this, but I kind of came out recently at Did church. Did you? Yeah. See, I've, I didn't know that. Good for you. Thank you. You're the first person who has recognized <laughs> that I had to make a humongous decision right. and a really? big sacrifice. Yeah, everybody else is just like, well, we're going to pray for your soul. We're going to pray for your soul because we really hope that your soul doesn't end up damned in hell forever for all of eternity. No. 
Like, yeah, that was a huge risk on your part. Exactly. Because you have a community yeah. who has a huge belief in one thing that you have you weren't certain about. Right. You came out to them because you had confidence that they would accept you no mm-hmm. matter what. Right. And they did, they actually. They sort of do. They like, did. They still b- want to believe that you won't be damned. But, but I kind of understand because I've had people look at me with Jake, for instance. Like, my grandmother goes, are you not worried about his soul? And at, I am because I'm agnostic, I'm like, what the fuck do you, what do you mean, his soul? Like, you don't, you're not sure if he'll be damned? I'm like, I, that's his prerogative. Like, if he yeah. want, if that's what he thinks, because he doesn't believe in hell. Anytime I tell him to go to hell, he's like, I don't believe in hell. I don't, I don't believe in hell like, either. son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't believe in it either. <laughs> so, but good for you. It was, it was a I'm hard thing to do. Thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually really proud of myself. Do you still go to church though? I have up to this point. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I guess there's no reason for you to go if you don't necessarily believe. Oh, but there is. There's a huge reason because I love the people. My family's there. My yes. friends are there. Mm-hmm. But there's other ways you can see them. There are. Yeah. But I feel a lot of pride in the value that I bring to that community. I loved playing music there. I loved it. That's I, what I was going to say. Like, you couldn't let that go. Well... I told them any time that they need me to play music for them. So you're with, not playing every without week question. now? question. Well, I have every Sunday since I told them, which was the last like, hey two. Guys, I still want to come every Sunday. But I'm <laughs> I'm not playing this Sunday. Oh. And Who will, is? I, well, everybody else. There's another guitarist? There's 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 another guitarist. He's not. They as don't have an acoustic you? guitar player. He's a, I think actually he's a better guitar player than me. But you know, like a band is, it's an ensemble. It, there's a bass player, there's a drummer, there's a lead yes. electric, there's like an acoustic guitar, there might be a rhythm electric, there's mm-hmm. singers. You take a person away from that, you take away a small dynamic. And so I told them, anytime you need me to play, I will play. And they had me play the week after I told them, because that was Christmas, and then they had me to play the week after that. And honestly, if they would let me, I would stand in front of this entire group of people and I would explain to them how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I would say to them, despite our differences in understanding, I love you. That's how it should be, though. That's, a, I, I, that's what I think, too. And the thing is, there's nothing saying that you're the only person out there in that community that feels the way you do. There could be another person out there and you just gave them the confidence to do what you just did. But also... I understand the value that believing brings to your life. Yeah. So my mom, she's like, well, I think you're going through a phase, but don't try to change my mind. And and my response to her was, I would never try to change your mind. Yeah. I see the value that this belief system and this community brings to you. Mm-hmm. I would never try to take that away from you. Yeah. The difference between you and she and I is that she has reconciled the way that she feels with this belief system Mm -hmm. and it works out. Yes. And I can't, I can't, I can't. There's just so much that I don't understand when I try to, when I try to view the world through that lens, there's so much that doesn't make sense to me. And everybody's like, well, it's faith, it's faith, it's faith. I can't. And I'm like. I'm really good at math. 
And there's a lot of things when you try to explain the world through that lens of mathematics and science Mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And it's in direct conflict with all of these things that when you try to explain the world to me through the lens of religion, specifically Christianity, Mm -hmm. where I'm like, okay, well, no, that makes sense. And and the, the way that you reconcile is that, well, it's faith. It's faith. It's faith. Bullshit. No, can't. Mm-hmm. I can't either. I just can't. I tried to. I tried no. to for years. Like, I tell you what. Like, when I lost my mom, mm-hmm. that was a huge thing for me because that's when I feel like a lot of people either find faith or they start to believe in certain things. For instance, my dad, he did not become very religious until he lost his dad. He goes to church every Sunday now. He's very religious. For me, I struggled with it because, like you said, things don't make sense. And I even, I was like, Mom, if you're out there, just let me fucking know. I don't care if you scare the shit out of me. Just let me know because she knows I fucking hate ghosts. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, fucking come from the fucking grave. I don't care. Let me know. Give me. <laughs> I'm like, give me a damn sign. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you a story about the fucking candle. So I wake up one morning, and this is like two weeks ago. Okay. There is a candle. This candle is like in a closet somewhere that no one has seen in like a year. Mm-hmm. It is lit. It is on a bookshelf by my mom's ashes. And I'm looking around and I'm like, who the fuck? What? Where'd that candle come from? And so Jake goes, you lit that candle. I did not light this candle. This went on for a good 10, 15 minutes. And I even looked at Elias and I said, Elias, because I know he won't lie to me. I said, who lit that candle? Dad did. I was like, Jake? And he's like, no. So here I am thinking, lo and behold, the sign has been clear. Here it is. I was like, don't blow the fucking candle. She's here. <laughs> it's like, so I, because like, again, my belief system, I didn't have one. Mm-hmm. But that to me, I was like, this is absurd. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and believe my husband. Because mm-hmm. he's been lying. Like, he has been saying no. And I was like, don't shoot. I was like, if you say no one more time and you're lying, cry about it. I will fucking cry about it because I'm sad because I have like I'm emotional right now. And he's like, I didn't light the candle. And he claims that he didn't realize how serious I was until it was too late. So he goes, he lit the candle. <laughs> he's like, I didn't mean to put it there. I was like, you fucking put it right next to her picture and the ashes. I said, and I looked at you straight in your optical stems. And I was like, so I cried about it. I did. And like I said, I. Still don't have a good belief system because when you lose somebody, you want to know, you want reassurance that something happened to them, that they're not gone forever. At least something positive. Yeah. Positive. Yeah. We always made a joke. She'd be like the gatekeeper to hell. She'd be the bus driver. (laughs) So (laughs) she'd be driving people there. But at the end of it, you're just like, I'd like to know that there's like Jake's atheist. So he thinks nothing happens and he's fine with that. I'm a kid that stays up late at night. Like, literally 10 years old, rocking back and forth the fetal position. Like, oh, my God, what if there's forever? Like, what if? Dude, I can relate to that in a really profound like, way. Like, what if there's no purpose and I'm just sitting, floating forever? And I'm like, that terrifies me. But at the same time, nothing terrifies me. Like, non-existence. Like, just pitch black darkness. N- not that nothing terrifies you, but the, the concept of nothing. nothingness like you terrifies just- you. Yes. You snap your fingers and there's nothing. There's mm-hmm. black darkness. You no longer have consciousness. That scares me. Really? I think I think there's I get I I feel a little bit of relief really? if I, if I genuinely believe that after I die, I experience nothing. Like not hmm. so much that I experience nothingness, 
But you know that But feeling? you wouldn't know. I would not know. Yeah. So that means that I have now. Mm-hmm. I can make the best of now. And when I think about, like, like earlier when I was talking to you about how I felt about our relationship during that difficult time with your mother. Yes. When I get the chance to be really genuine with the person and, and, and express to them my love for them and then also to express to them, like, my dissatisfaction with how I handle situations, mm-hmm. I just want to make the best of now. I want to make the best of now because if there's nothing afterwards yeah. and now is all that we have, then fuck. <laughs> I, I have no choice. Yeah, I, have to to make the, yeah. I have to make the best of what I have right now. And you're really good at that though. And I would hate to, to, to think that sometime in your life you would think, Mitch was a fucking dick to me when my mom was dying. Because I was. You but know, I'm sorry that I was. You want to know what? She fucking hated your guts. I, I imagine she did. I was she, an asshole. Well, and you're not the only one that she got mad at. Like, there was a time she got mad at Jake, and it was hilarious. Yeah. But, like, it was the only time, and Jake tried to make up to it, and she was like, she wasn't having it. But she went into a Starbucks one day, and she talked to me later. She goes, Mitch did not say hi to me. I tried to say hi to him, and she's so sassy about it, too. And he didn't even acknowledge my existence. I was like, Mom, it's Mitch. I was like, Mitch, Mitch is going through a tough time. Like, you know, that's just Mitch right now. Because like, she used to love you. I mean, she does. She loved you. She did. Like, she thought every, but that one moment, she's like, he's an asshole. And I was like, Mom. <laughs> well, who knows what she was dealing with at the time, having to face her own mortality and, like, deal with the fact that she was slowly kind of coming towards the end of her life way before she expected to ever have to deal with that. Like She never showed anything. Really? I vividly remember um we we uh my grandma had came up to me and goes the doctor talked to me and said your mom has less than three months. Your grandma. So what a fucking amazing person her. She's oh yeah. She she advocated for my mom when she couldn't do it herself. Sometimes it got frustrating, but because sometimes I think she overstepped her boundaries. But she was there for my mom when she couldn't be for herself. But she said, your mom, the doctor talked to us and your mom doesn't have, she won't make it past the new year. And to me, I was like, that's fucking ridiculous. She's right here. She's fine. Um, So we went to, me and my brother went to the doctor's office with my mom. And they were going to break the news to her because she didn't know yet. We knew. She didn't. That's crazy. Okay. So the doctor didn't tell my mom that there was nothing else they could do. I knew, but I didn't say anything. So we went to the doctor's office and we were there as a group, as a family, when the doctor said, this treatment's not working. We don't have anything else. The best thing we can do is stop treatment and just let it run its course. And she was emotionless. Really? She, I mean, she just, she accepted it. And then, so when we got home, I looked at her and I said, how do you feel? How do you feel about what you heard today? And she just said, that's just how it is. She'd already accepted it in her mind. I think in some part of me thinks that these like people who are in decline know that they're going. Mm-hmm. So, but she, I mean, she never, and that was one thing about my mom that I never understood. She never, like I said before, she never argued in front of us with my dad. She never expressed any other emotion besides positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it came to this, she never let her guard down one bit. Fucking all good for her. Yeah. She, I mean, she didn't want, she did not want her kids to see that. And she did a hell of a good job doing it. That's awesome. And um, it, it just blew my mind because I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to get stuff from her. I'm like, you 
have been told you're dying. You mm-hmm. are going to be dead within months. And she just looked at me and was just like, it is what it is. Can't do anything about it. How do you feel about that? Do you, do you appreciate her strength or do you wish that she had been truthful with you about how she actually felt in that moment? There are a lot of things that I regret that I wish I could have done differently. Part of it being uh, talking to her more because her decline was very, she, um, the tumor that was in her brain affected the right side of her body. So she wasn't able to walk. And then it came to the point where she couldn't talk. And at some point, the talking, it led to cognitive. Like she couldn't even text. And so she couldn't, she was aware, but she couldn't communicate that to anybody. And it got to the point where um, there was one moment in particular where I tried to call her. Elias was sick. I don't know what it was. And she tried to help me and she couldn't. She couldn't talk. And it was very emotional for her because she, she knew her daughter was in need and she couldn't satisfy that need. And so at that moment, I said, I'm not going to call you anymore. I didn't tell her that. I told my grandma that. I said, I'm not calling mom anymore. Um, like call- for help. Well, in general. I said, I'll, I'll go see her. But calling her is too emotional. You didn't want to put her in that situation where she was going to have to struggle. Yeah. And so, and even when I saw her though, we, we acted like nothing was wrong. And that's what they tell you to do. They tell you, you know, they know that they're dying. They know that things are bad. Just make it as normal as possible. But I feel like being as normal as possible, we weren't talking to her very much. And so we were just existing by her and she was just sitting and observing while everyone else was lively and communicating with one another. And so I feel like I wish I could have encouraged myself more to talk to her and even like force her to. And I feel like I was so, so I was such a selfish bitch because I'd be like, mom, you didn't text me back. I wanted to know what you felt about this couch I'm trying to buy. <laughs> so, and so in, in reality, fuck me. I'm not the one dying, you know, but she, I mean, she was very selfless about it. She tried her hardest to make sure that everybody else was fine. It was always about everybody else. Um, and scary thing. So past few days have been really rough for me. Um, we have a time capsule that my family does. They started in 2000 when, you know, we got to the millennium. They, um, every 10 years, they have added new stuff and revealed new stuff. So 2020 came around, new decade. There was a time capsule to be opened, which I forgot all about. My mom had wrote a letter to herself. Herself? Herself. I was like, what? I was like, part of me wasn't surprised. (laughs) But I was like, so here it was two years after she had died. And it was like she was coming back from the dead. For a brief moment with new, because it's new information. Like when you, when someone has died, like everything's already set in stone. All you're doing is reliving the past at this point. This was new. And so I was like, I need this letter. I need to find out what this letter was. And I kid you not, that letter, it acted like a farewell letter. And and, and like I said, this was 2009. Like she knew what was going to happen. Almost like she knew because she was like, you know, if anything else, if we all can't be here together at least know that we need to appreciate the love we have for one another and express it to make sure we take time to tell each other that we love each other. And she had, and it was like, she was talking to her mom, like, mom, you were such a great mom. Thank you for doing the best you could. Dad, I always want to impress you and make sure that, you know, you think the best of me. And I was like, this sounds like a farewell letter. And it wouldn't have shocked me if she would have known. 
because she told us that she had a brain tumor like three days before I went to Universal Studios. This is my mom. She got us all together. Oh, no big deal, but I'm going to have surgery. I'm going to get this brain tumor taken out. It's going to be great. You're going to be in Florida. It's going to be the most fun surgery I've ever had. <laughs> right. I'm really, really looking forward to the surgery. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Everything's <laughs> going to be fine. You're going to be in Universal Studios, and you're going to have a great time. When you get back, we can talk about did it. Did you go to Harry Potter World? I did, Harry, Harry Potter and World? we cut it short because I looked at her, and I said, you're crazy if you think. Well, I did. She had known for a few weeks. I didn't want to tell you guys because it was finals week. You didn't tell me you had a tumor because it was finals week. What a, th- what a thoughtful woman. She was. But she was very, like, that's that's how the experience came with her with her condition. Like, she wouldn't tell us anything unless it was absolutely crucial. I think it's hard for parents it's, it's definitely something that's hard for my mom. My mom's my mom's dad is is currently I in the process of dying, and that's terrible. It's sad for her. It's it's not so sad for me. I don't want this narrative to sound like I have any like negative feelings towards him. Yeah, I don't. He didn't hurt me. He hurt my mom, and he hurt her sisters. Well, that hurt that you know in return hurts you though. Maybe a little, but not in a direct way that I can relate to. But what I will say is that I I don't. I don't feel a lot of affection towards him any more than I would feel towards any human. Yeah. I love all people because I know the bullshit that I deal with is the same bullshit that they deal with. And so I love them in the same way that I would hope that they would love me. Yeah. But the way that I feel about my family and the way that I feel about my friends, those individuals are elevated. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa is not elevated in that way. The majority of my relationship with my grandpa was my mom was trying to kind of rebuild this relationship. So I didn't really have a lot to say or I didn't really have a lot of experiences with him as a person. But he's passing away and she's dealing with that. It's a a sad thing regardless. Yeah. Whatever feelings you have, it's a life loss. Right. But she's trying to protect me from that. Yeah. And there was a couple of times in the past where my mom potentially could have had she thought she might have had breast cancer and she didn't talk to me about that and my dad was really sick when we were in high school he had hepatitis c and he had to go through like a interferon which is kind of like chemotherapy treatment and but my parents didn't disclose that to me it's really hard was that frustrating for you it it wasn't at the time because i was a child at the time yeah but now i'm I'm a 30 year old man i'm the same age my parents were when i was born Mm mm-hmm I can fucking handle it. Yeah. And I will handle it. And in fact, I would like to think that I have valuable insight into the situation and mm-hmm. I and I can bring something to that. It's strange how your parents, they feel like they have to protect you. Yes. Well, see, I'd like to be in the know. Like that would be exactly. my issue. Especially with the, when it's with your parents. And that's why I said earlier with my dad, I said, I need you to be completely transparent. I play softball with your dad. And he loves it. He loves it. He, I mean. It's so much fun. It's so funny because when you guys had your your wedding and you guys were singing Unwritten, Mm -hmm. 
that was this like my dad would be like yeah there's this song that they want to sing it's like they sing it on the field and i was like well i got to see a small glimpse of that when <laughs> <laughs> unwritten would come on i swear to god Caitlin, <laughs> we would be down like 19 points and unfucking unwritten would come on and we would just be like it gets you pumped and i mean i suck at softball don't get me wrong i suck are you still, wait are you still the catcher because you used to know your catcher. dad plays catcher Oh, well, he's old. He's, he's like a 60. good catcher. He's, he's a great like, catcher. But he, like, I'm actually okay with that because I feel like the roles are starting to be reversed. Like, I'm protective of him. Like, I have a friend at work who plays in the same league as you guys. And I'll call, I'll like, because I don't talk to my dad every single day. So when I see her on Monday, I'm like, hey, how'd my dad do? Like, is he okay? So she's like, oh, yeah, he's been great. So I'm okay with him being catcher because. It keeps him out of the action. Well, he's athletic, so like actually he's a really good catcher. Well, and that's the thing. I don't think he'll ever age. Like he thinks he's aging, but I'm like, you're 60 and you're still playing softball Mm. with 30-year-olds. Yeah, your dad's in good shape. Yeah. He's in good shape. But see, like we all age. We're aging. I I know that I am. My my forehead wrinkles, even when I relax, they're (laughs) fucking still there. I'm like, God damn it. But I have tinnitus. (laughs) Tinnitus is a I'm starting to get fucking tinnitus too. Like a ringing. Oh my God. I can't tell you how pissed I was when I went to the doctor because I was like, oh, because at first I have like this, I don't know, it's PTSD because I was like, oh God, I got a tuber in my brain. It got ringing in my ears. And of course, I have a um, a friend who's a nurse practitioner. So she tried to get me like a brain exam. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, you need to go see an ear throat doctor first. And they came back with me like, you have hearing loss in your left ear and you have tinnitus. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck that. I don't want that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, nobody asked me. I was like, it's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> I can't get rid of that. Cause of course they're like, well, this is a little pamphlet and it could go away in about six months. I was like, no, it's not. I fucking had this for a while now. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I'm predetermined to know that my son gave it to me. All the screaming. Screaming, you think? Yeah. I think mine came from rock concerts. My, it's yours all Maybe. the time. It it gets worse if there's really, like, for instance, yes. today, one of my kids screamed as loud as he could in my ear, and the ringing came. And I was like, oh, and I get kind of anxious about it because I'm like, I don't want to lose my hearing. I don't because right. I feel like that's just the next thing. Like you just because they told me like anything under forty decibels or something, you can't hear it. I was like, really? I was like, what? It's like fuck that. I can hear everything. And so one of my friends was like, that makes sense because you kind of talk a little loud. And I said, fuck no, I don't. I don't <laughs> talk loud. I was defensive. I was like, no, shut the fuck up. I know a lot of people who are losing <laughs> their hearing. My cousin Matt is definitely in the is process he? of losing his hearing and his hair. Matt, if you're listening to this, I love you no matter what. He doesn't have hair. But there's a lot of our friends who don't, and it's just we have to accept them for who they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of us who are fortunate to have hair. I still ha- have like hair not- loss from pregnancy. Really? Yes. Did when you get any grays? No, but I colored my hair, though. Jake oh. has tons of gray. He thinks it's because of me. I think I deny that. I feel lucky that I'm blonde because I feel like I probably have a lot of gray, but, but you, you can't, can't see it. it. Jake's yeah. hair is so dark. Mm-hmm. But your mom was doing my hair one day. My mom was? Yeah. She did my hair. My mom does your hair? She did it once. Okay. After my mom couldn't do my hair anymore, I went to her. Mm-hmm. And it was a whole family thing. Like me, Elias, and Jake all went to your mom. But she goes, you lost a lot of hair, didn't you, from pregnancy? I was like, nuh-uh. She's like, look, you got big old chunks. Like, we're seeing hairline right here. Like, where Elias, I was like, I don't know if it's that or he pulled my hair out. I said, <laughs> either way, 
Elvis girl's back. My fucking mom. She's she's the sweetest lady in the whole world, but she, she doesn't she doesn't think before she talks. She'll be like, "Oh, she's fine. You, you're fat." No, she would never say that. Sometimes. Caitlin, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I would say sometimes Jake's on my nerves, and I just call him fat. <laughs> <laughs> he probably likes it because we always called each other fat. It was like a term of endearment. If you weren't fat, then it meant you couldn't be a part of our group. You just had to be like fat to be in the group. Having tiny dicks. Can I argue that really quick? Let me hear it. Does Jake have a big dick? Please tell me that he does. I tell him he does. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it, Jake. It's fucking massive. <laughs> I know he gets offended by it. <laughs> well, fucking Sarah. I was hanging out with all my friends. I was like, let me tell you first thing right now, Sarah. If anybody asks you, I have a small penis. And she was like, Mitch's dick is big. I was like, what the fuck? We talked about this. We talked about it. That's why I do it. <laughs> Try to throw his ass under the bus. Oh, yeah. Like, it'll be random. Like, I'll just like, it's like an easy shot at him. Like. Got big old <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird because you would want your wife to say that. You would want it, but for some reason but now. For us, that- it's like an insult. <laughs> so I'm like, whatever, Jake got a big dick. You heard it, Jake, right here on the podcast. Your dick is huge. But there was a story. I don't know who was the one who talked about the originate or the beginning of that. Was it I you? I think I told it on the podcast recently. I thought, now this is what I was told. I thought that we we were told that all you guys had small dicks because you guys didn't want to do gay porn. Because gay porn, you had to have really big dicks. That was Ryan's narrative. That was Ryan's narrative, okay. And he's right. But here's the thing about gay porn. Here's the thing about gayness in general. <laughs> when I was in high school, the worst possible thing you could be is gay. And then I got gay friends and I was like, no, no, being gay is totally normal. There's yeah. a lot of worse things you can be than gay. Remember so, when you guys thought my brother was gay? And well, we, then he turned we out were. to be. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. I, I feel that was ba- a joke for I feel bad years. about that. I hope that we didn't have any like negative impact and on him. And he's it. always salty. Like, Is he a little bit salty? He's always salty. He's just... But if he's a little salty, I, I understand. Mean, I told him though, I said, Chris Berry caught you watching Hannah Montana the first time he saw you. <laughs> and I think that was just his clue, like, this guy's totally gay. Well, so my my the, the person at my job, the, the man at my job who is the very best teacher that I work with. Is he gay? He's amazing. Yeah, he's gay. Oh. And he's one of my best friends. I love him. He's amazing. Yeah. And really, it started with Elena and Caitlin, because they're both gay. They're bo- Okay, wait, hold on. Pause, reflect. Caitlin Richter, do you remember Caitlin Richter? Caitlin Richter's married, though, to right? To a woman, now. <gasps> Wasn't she married to a man? She was married to a man, and then in the process of being married to him- She found herself. She found out who she- She realized who she was, and now she's married to a, a, an amazing woman named But wasn't Teresa. she like in a community similar to yours, where they're extremely religious- Yes, And Caitlin, that was frowned upon. Caitlin is the strongest human being I've ever met. Caitlin, if you're listening to this podcast, you are the strongest human being I've ever known. I think I've met her. She came out to her whole community. I was at her wedding recently. Her wedding was like last week. Oh, really? Okay. She married her 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 soulmate Teresa. Teresa yeah. is one of she's amazing. She's a wonderful woman. Yeah. And fucking Caitlin's whole family was not there. None That's of them sad. came to her wedding because she was marrying a girl. And somewhere along the That's way, so I realized, sad. like, I don't give a shit who you fuck. Your character is way more important to me 
there are a bunch of people in my life who now I've met who are gay, and they're some of the my, the most influential relationships that I have, and I love them all so much that I had to realize that like, okay, who you fuck has nothing to do with your character as it, a person. Yeah, it doesn't. Because these five people that I just laid out are five of the greatest people I've ever met in my entire life, and I love them mm-hmm. in a profound way. And, and regardless of where I go in the future and regardless of where they go in the future, mm-hmm. I will maintain a relationship with these people because they bring value to my life. And I really had to reevaluate my perspective about homosexuality in general because coming up it was viewed as negative. Yeah. But it's fucking not. It's not at all. And the fact that there's people, like you said, at Caitlin's wedding that wouldn't even show up. Like how like how judgmental are you? Like right. who do you think you are to think you're above someone? Like you said, it doesn't matter who you fuck. Mm-mm, it doesn't. It doesn't change who you are as a person. Right. At all. No. You can be a hoe. I'll be friends with a hoe. Mm-hmm. I've been friends with hoes. When I was show. in high school, I wanted to be friends with hoes. <laughs> probably meant, I probably introduced you a couple. Reasons. I wish you had. Nah. Caitlin, this was so much fun. It was. Full disclosure. Yeah? This is the best podcast I've done so far. You're lying. I swear to God. You're lying. I swear to God. You're going to make me one. blush. No. We got a, we, we're sitting here at two hours and 18 minutes. You've been here for fucking it's not. It's eight. It's eight o'clock. So that's why I'm trying to wrap it up. Damn, I could keep going for hours. I know. Well, this is what has to happen. Okay. I've got four mics now. My interface should show up tomorrow. Me, that's exciting. And Sarah and you and Jake. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be so interesting. Yes, it would. Because there's so there's two di- dynamics there, right? So it's you guys. No offense, but you guys don't want children. Mm-hmm. Period. Right. And so you have that point of view, and then me and Jake have the point of view of having these children. These spawns of Satan, as you will. <laughs> Which one of you is Satan? Because you, there's a spawn Jake, of you. Jake Satan. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because he doesn't believe in hell. So, <laughs> Jake, you fucking let's be clear, demonic bitch. Full disclosure: my kids get their personality from him. <laughs> and they're spawns of Satan. <laughs> I don't know where where to go from here. You think it's funny, but you don't live with them. I know exactly where to go from here. I live with three Jakes. <laughs> I would love to live with three Jakes. I love Jake so much. So it's gonna get worse. They're gonna be teenagers. I know that I know we're trying to wrap up, but seriously though, when I like for when Elias was smaller, he hadn't l- learned about autonomy yet. Okay. But now he does. And he did about a year ago. So I was taking a shower. I was trying to get ready for a shower. And he looks at me. He goes, Mom, where's your penis? Oh, wow. Where is it? And I said, I don't have one. Yes, you do. Yes, Everybody's you. got a penis, Mom. And so that's when I go, Jake, got, your dad's got a big old penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He does. Yeah. So, in, again, it came back up. I don't know why it comes up. He's fascinated. Both of my boys are fascinated with their dicks. Like, Micah plays with his. Well, every, Elias. Every boy his, plays with their dick. But they're so fascinated with mine. That I, not my non-existent <laughs> dick. <And> so, <laughs> Elias goes, Mom, where's your dick? <laughs> Is that how he asked? So, yes. <laughs> so, where's your penis, Mom? And I said, I don't have. What you got, Mom? A vagina. A vagina? 
and he laughs because he thinks that's a funny word. And I'm like, <laughs> kind of is technically, I have half a ball. Ryan Ray gave it to me. I don't know what year it was. It was very long ago. And I don't remember why I was given it. But I think I did something. I stood up to the man and I got half a ball for it. Good for you. Do you still have my underoos? I think you took them back. Oh, I did take them back. I think you took them back. I kept them in my closet, and then you came over one day, and you took them back. You're like, those are mine. They were my Sunday best. They were my Sunday best. I enjoyed having those, though, for that brief moment. Well, I'm sorry that I took them. It's okay. Caitlin, when I say (laughs) that this was the best podcast I've done so far, I mean it 100%. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do with you. I hope it's better than Jake's. Because I told Jake... I'm going to go ahead and say it to the world. His podcast was unimpressive. Damn. <laughs> he, said, he said, damn, you're going to say that on there? I said, yeah, and I'll tell you why. Because everything he talked about, I already knew. And I was I was really. <laughs> his wife. <laughs> I know, but part of me was really hoping that there'd be something I didn't know. Something that I get to find out. Next time, I'm going to really dig deep. I hope you do. You. I because will. he's one of those guys that you just have to really dig deep. I will. You have to. Cool. I bet you could do it. Caitlin, thank you so much for doing this. I enjoyed it. I'm I had so a great time. excited. Are you going to Just Friends Couples? You down for that? I am. Sweet. I'm excited. So as soon as I have that interface, I'll holler at you and Jake and we'll figure this Absolutely. out. Absolutely. All right. Well, I love you. I love you. All right. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming. No problem. Bye. Bye. I didn't realize how long we were on there. We are sitting at two hours and 22 minutes. I... All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Caitlin was an amazing guest, and if I have anything to say about it, this will not be the last time you hear from her. I'm already in the process of trying to convince her and Jake to do a couple's podcast with me and Sarah. But first, I got to get Sarah to let me release all the podcasts that I've made with her. You'd think I'd be the picky one. You'd be wrong. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a rating and a review. It really helps. We're already moving up the rankings. As of right now, we're the second Just Friends podcast in the list. Let's get to number one. If you're not already following the Facebook page and the Instagram page, check out Just Friends podcast. You can Google it. I think it's one of the first things that comes up. If you Google the podcast in my name, I definitely think you can find it. There's the Facebook page. There's the Instagram page. And most importantly, there's the Facebook group. So there's exclusive content there. There's sneak peeks and unreleased material that's going on there and you don't get to have access to that unless you're part of the community so if you're listening you are part of the community and i want you to get to have access to all that fun stuff happy hump day ladies and gentlemen i hope you have a fantastic week and i love you bye